You're listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Mavanwe and talking about when the honeymoon period ends. Hi there, thank you so much for joining me again. I ought to say that you joined us previously and talked about how things were going at quite an early stage of your placement and that things have moved on. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, hi Tor, uh, thanks for having me back. Um, so yeah, things have moved on quite quickly actually. So Sam um, would have been with us for two years this summer. At first everything was rosy, we were a nice new family and then after the first sort of two three months some behaviors started to show and we started to find things a little bit difficult yeah so we, we discussed myself and my partner jay we sat down and had a discussion and said right how are we going to deal with this and of course that was quite a long discussion yeah i can imagine so um, how did you feel when those behaviours first started to reveal themselves? Well, we knew that Sam would have some difficulties because of his past traumas. Um, he would have witnessed um, lots of violence um, in his past. And the only way he could display his emotions was copying that violence, which he um, he projected onto us. Uh, which we did find difficult. We thought, hmm, he's obviously having trouble with emotions. And at the moment, the only way he can show that he's struggling is to hit or kick us and um, scream a, f- a few um, inches from our face, which is, is quite is quite horrible, really, to, to be in a situation. And we'd have to play tag team with each other to just get a break because, you know, we're only human and... We can only deal with so much, which is totally normal. So, yeah, we'd play tag team. So one of us could get a 10-minute break, breathe, come back and and take over because we need to remain calm and show him that we still love him even though he's having those difficult times. That must have been immensely difficult, though, particularly at a relatively early stage. You know, you said two to three months and... I imagine it was quite hard when you're still bedding into that relationship yourselves to have it change so dramatically and to something that feels quite so very difficult to deal with. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, we thought, oh, our family's complete and then these um, behaviours start to show and then you're thinking, oh my goodness. Uh, You know, we talked about all of this in the training, but when it's there in front of you, it's... It's more difficult than than you think, and we at least we had each other to support and you know talk through things in the night uh, when Sam went to bed and and discuss right could we have done things differently? Let's take things back to basics, you know, and and try and work through it that way. And what did you do in terms of taking it back to basics? What did you both mean by that? So we'd sit him down and wait till he's had his little meltdown um, and talk when he was calm and we found that the best way to talk to him was when he was distracted so playing with toys right which which what our social worker did with us when we had to talk 
um, about our pasts, um, things that were difficult. Things that were difficult for us in our past, she would get us to play a game while we were talking about it. Oh, that's interesting. We found was much easier um, because you're concentrating half on the game and half on the past. So we found that worked with Sam as well, um, playing a game or playing with his toys and say things like, you had a really difficult day yesterday, didn't you? You're finding things a little bit tricky and just, you know, taking it back to basics, chatting to him and say things like, how can we make this better for you? Hmm, I wonder, lots of wondering. And was he able to respond? Did he have enough insight into his behaviour and emotions to be able to say what might help or what was going on? Uh, well, he was only three um, when he first came to us. So, again, he couldn't understand emotions. So we would have to say, hmm, you found things a little bit tricky yesterday. Yes. And that seemed to work. And, you know, saying things, maybe next time we could try this or maybe next time we could try that. Um, but, yeah, it got better as he got a little bit older because he was able to talk and say that he was feeling angry, which he's only started doing recently because he absolutely hates talking about emotions, which we found out. Right. Do you know why he finds that so particularly difficult? I, I just think because he's now understanding that he's adopted and every time he looks at pictures of his birth parents, he he gets really angry and then he wants to punch a pillow, which we let him. Yes. Because, and when he's doing it, we say, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry and we understand and we still love you and we say... Do you find it difficult? Do you miss them? You know, you know. We just talk matter of fact. Oh, I wonder if you're missing them. I wonder if you're angry because they couldn't keep you safe. And we just try and let him, you know, get those emotions out while we're doing the wondering aloud. Yeah, and and I can I can see how that could work as you know giving him some sort of language to describe what might be going on. But I wonder for you. It sounds like you're doing an amazing job, but I wonder emotionally in those moments, what's going on for you? Jay, quite often, like Sam, <laughs> can't deal with emotions and yeah. cries when when Sam is upset or, you know, really struggling. So I, I'm like a, a, a tower of strength for the pair of them sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it it's difficult because we feel the empathy with him and you know it's a loss for him it's like a death really you know they're never going to see that person again maybe they will one day when they're older but as far as they're concerned that person has left their life um they don't know why and you know it's hard for them to to try and understand things at such a young age but we as parents have to try and tell him that they couldn't keep him safe and that's why you had to have a new forever family and as he's getting older he's he's understanding more and that anger is coming out more and so that starts about three months into the adoption but obviously now you're much further in so has that continued with the same pattern or has it changed over that time 
he has continued. It's got worse, slightly worse. Um, we're, we're still waiting for help from social services, but it's it's a bit of a waiting list. But now he started displaying those behaviours in school. He has he hit a teacher recently, right. which he's never done before. Um, so he stopped masking in school. So we had to have a meeting with the ALN Co in the school and discuss what kind of things we could put in place to help him in school because they've started seeing some of his anger starting to come out in school now and his stubbornness when he doesn't want to do something. And how do you feel in terms of um, that happening at school? Because I've heard some people say that sometimes they can feel quite blamed for their child's behaviour, even though clearly there isn't anything that people can often do more than they're doing. But it can sometimes feel that you're accountable for the behaviour in a way that is difficult to respond to. We were quite frustrated at the start because we thought his teacher was quite old school and she's she used to say things like oh Sam is really settled you know he's into a good routine he he listens and I thought yeah he's only listening because he's masking his behaviors he's this good little child that sits there quietly while inside he's probably absolutely breaking down and can't wait to get out of the gates when he normally has his meltdown as soon as he gets into the car so um yeah we had had the meeting with the the ALN co and as we started discussing things with her, she and his teacher were saying, ah, that makes sense now, that makes sense now, because they started seeing those behaviours. So we've put quite a few things in place that we think will help him. And they've also offered um, Theraplay during school time because they're part of Adoption UK. Right. Um, and it's a really good school. They're ACE-trained, they are Thrive-trained, and they're members of AUK. So they're going to get a lot of things in place for him and uh, some neurodiverse referral to see if he could have ADHD or other behavioural needs that needs meeting. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, and that's coming up more and more when we talk to members of New Family Social, is the neurodivergence of lots of our children and what that means and how that's responded to. And of course, as you say, sometimes the child will mask behaviour due to trauma and then may not be diagnosed to access support for the other kinds of support they need, because what they're doing is a very good impersonation of compliance and happiness and all of that which actually you know that behind that mask isn't how they're feeling, but they've become very good through their earlier life experiences at pretending to be fine or pretending to comply or, you know, all those sorts of things. So there's these layers of complexity, and I don't know that a system that tends to silo problems always gets to grips with that. You know, you get your, you get your assessment for the neurodivergence and then a separate assessment for trauma and then a separate response to this and that. But, of course, those things interplay. They aren't siloed when we experience them. Yeah, definitely. We um we were quite happy that the school was actually there to help and identify those behaviours. And when the teacher told us that he'd started showing anger and he hit a teacher, we kind of did a, a silent fist bump. <laughs> right, just because it had been seen somewhere else. Yeah, just just because 
we were like, oh, finally, you know, he's he stopped masking. Maybe they'll believe some of his behaviours that we tell them. Yeah. Because, you know, in school, he's this little angel. But as soon as he's out through those gates, that it's like a a switch has been flicked and he's a totally different child. Yeah. And those conversations about, you know, other professionals saying, well, I've never seen them do that. You think, well, we really definitely have seen it. So... Yeah, that's really, really difficult. Um, when all of this was going on at home, was it um, targeted at each of you in the same way or was there some difference in how he interacted with each of you? Yeah, he would he would do it to both of us. We'd both get hit or screamed at. More, slightly more towards Jay because um, they have a closer relationship than, than I do, probably because Jay's... A big kid as well so <laughs> <laughs> it was more towards Jay I'd get a little bit more shouting and the fist held in the air as if he was going to punch me but yeah we we tried to say you know say to him that's not acceptable that's not appropriate you know and we tried to use proper words with him because his speech wasn't great when he first came to us but now he's talking like a normal age-appropriate child and how old is he now he's five now gosh <laughs> yeah i'm flies isn't it it's ridiculous yeah and so when things have been particularly difficult how has that affected the relationship between you and jay we've got quite a strong relationship sometimes we're on a different page and you know it can be it can be difficult because I want to do one thing one way and Jay will want to do it a different way. But we can both see when we're losing patience with Sam and we'll say, right, upstairs, off you go. <laughs> <laughs> go and have 10 minutes. <laughs> I'll do all this. But yeah, um, we, we try and support each other as much as possible. We, we have had discussions in the evening where we say, right, we need to we need to talk about this we need we need to do this different or you shouldn't have done this you shouldn't have done that you know and we 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 don't argue we've never had an argument but we we have discussions where we say oh you really annoyed me today you shouldn't have done this or you know we 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 communicate quite well it really sounds like you do to be able to be so frank about what you think each other could have done differently um, and just to be able to sort of hear that from each other, you know, suggests that you are communicating really well in very trying circumstances, really. You mentioned about um, things from your own past. And I suppose being faced with a very angry and violent child can be really triggering. I'm not asking you to go into detail about personal experiences, but was any of that hard in that sense? Did it bring stuff up for you? It was more the loss, really, um, because losing birth parents. I lost my mum when I was twelve, um, so I kind kind of had the empathy for Sam, knowing that he didn't have his birth mum anymore. Yes. So, you know, I, I showed him pictures of my mum, and I'd say that this was your grandma, but she's in heaven now, and this is Jay's grandma. And we try and talk about things as as naturally as possible to give him a, a normal upbringing it wasn't really triggering for me as such because I've dealt with my past mm -hmm. I was in care when I was younger myself and 
uh, I've read my file. I had my file while I was going through the adoption process. And there were, there were a few things in the file that were a bit triggering, but I'm glad that I saw it because that's like a closed door. That chapter's finished in my life. I've dealt with it. And, and this is more about Sam now and not me. But yeah, I definitely have the empathy of, of loss. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like those experiences would give you, you know, um, knowledge to draw on from lots of different relevant things. So, you know, having been in care and that loss and so on. Um, But even so, I guess when you're faced with it in its really raw emotional form, as Sam's displaying it, it can be so hard to see and contain and and so relentless as well, I guess. You know, one one explosive episode is one thing two is another, 10 is another, 20 is another. And I think that relentlessness can be quite exhausting as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's days where I'm just clock watching until bedtime. And, you know, you think, I still love him. I still love him. He's a darling. Uh, He's just struggling. And, And that's when the days are difficult, especially if Jay's away with work and it's just me having to deal with the behaviors. Yeah, it, I'm just clock watching, waiting for bedtime, which sometimes can be difficult because you just won't listen. But yeah, you just have to try and remain calm, show him that, you know, everything's normal, even though in your head, you go to bloody bed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just trying to keep things as normal as possible, even though they're having a very difficult time. Yeah, I can understand that. And it is it is quite hard. You sort of sometimes feel going through the motions, I guess. Yeah, lots of lots of motions. <laughs> yeah. And so you talked about, you know, almost repeating to yourself, you know, we still love him. It's still fine. Can you say some stuff about the things that are going well and the things that are, you know, the things that have bonded you to this child and those sorts of things? Some days he'll surprise us. He, he could be playing with his toys and then all of a sudden he'll come up come over give you a hug and a kiss on the cheek and say I love you mummy and I love Jay too oh that's lovely and and, and you're like oh he's, he's so cute <laughs> and then other days he's such a devil <laughs> but it's just those little moments when he crawls into bed in the morning between us and he gives us a kiss and he says, I love you, mummy. And I love you too, Jay. And, and yeah, it's just those little melts. And he lifts his arms up. <laughs> he points to the ceiling. And we both have to tickle him under the arms to see if he's working. <laughs> That's gorgeous. That's our little morning routine. He picks oh. his arms up. We have to tickle him under the arms and says, yep, you're working today. <laughs> <laughs> It's just those little moments that you think, oh, he's, he's a gorgeous little thing. Yeah, and that's that's really lovely because I think sometimes, especially when you're seeking support for your child, there are a lot of conversations about what's going wrong. Um, a friend described you filling in one of those forms for support and he said afterwards he kind of felt dirty for the things he'd had to write and it's because you have to write up your worst day and so you write up the worst of the behaviour, the worst of the trauma, the worst of the things that have been said and done, the biggest difficulties that they have and you write up this thing. As I say, he just described that he felt kind of awful afterwards at having to just reflect all of that stuff and 
occasionally we've met professionals who've been really nice and said, tell me the good stuff first. Let's start with that. And it's really nice to start with, oh, my child's awesome at this and funny at this. And, you know, just to kind of hook into all of their wonderfulness before you kind of go into the things that are difficult and hard and challenging. Because otherwise, I think you can just feel like you've just bathed in all the horribleness over and over and over again. Yeah, um, you're trying to think of the worst day possible and it, it it's draining <laughs> having to write, you know, this massive essay about the worst day of your life um, when your child is just really difficult, not listening, you know, kicking, punching. And then after you've done, you're thinking, oh, my goodness, is it me? What am I doing wrong? You know, could I do this different? you know did I make the right decision adopting you know you do question things but you have to remember those good times as well because otherwise you can just do your own head in thinking overthinking and you know wondering if you can do things differently yeah because it isn't always that the thinking produces an answer does it there might be a better way or a worse way but there isn't always a way that solves everything yeah, and that, that's what we got to look at, really. If we can do things different, what help we can get and, and just try and continue from there. So what are you hoping that help will look like? Lots of theraplay, maybe some, some help with his behaviours, how to control his behaviours, because there's only so much we can do as parents and yeah we need professional help with how to help him express his emotions and how to help him talk about them because he just absolutely hates talking about those emotions especially when he's really angry yeah it can be hard once anger kicks in can't it to have any kind of rational conversation for a little while it it almost has to dissipate first and then a conversation can happen you know like you described about later when doing something else try to address the thing but I think sometimes if you're trying to intervene while anger's going on it's you're just hitting a wall really yeah um we've learned to walk out of the room we know he's safe he doesn't he doesn't hurt himself or anything he'll just sit on the floor or um stand where he is and scream till he's blue in the face and then we say to him when you're ready come and have a cuddle or we'll just sit on the sofa in the same room as him and say, right, when you're ready, when you're finished, come over and have a cuddle. Or we'll ask him if he wants a cuddle. Sometimes he does, but we tell him when he's ready, come and get a cuddle. And we'll just sit there and not talk um, or look at him because sometimes that can trigger him if we even look at him. Yeah. And any excuse, you know, not not to give him um, something to to make his anger even more but yeah, we, we just have to try and be there and wait until he's a little bit calmer and then talk through those emotions with him. And you said you knew at the beginning that he might have additional needs and need support and so on later on. How did you know all of that? Was that in his reports or what information was available prior uh, to the placement? We knew everything about him. He didn't really show anger when he was with the foster carers Uh, I think as as we put boundaries in place and he started to settle and feel more at home he realized okay this is where I'm going to stay and then 
his feet were well and truly under the table and that's when those emotions started to come out he had a little bit of controlling behavior when he was with the foster carers so they would let him just do whatever he wanted right and we could see that there was just no boundaries in place at all he ran around and ruled the roost whatever sam wanted sam got yes um but then as soon as he started coming to us on during the introductions he started turning around to our house we'd start doing those boundaries straight away because we didn't want to act like he could do anything he wanted in our house we had to say right no that's not acceptable we don't do that in this house Mm. and just teach him you know that we're keeping him safe and this is how we do things in this house and so there are lots of people who experience um either what you're going through or elements of what you're going through and so on. And I'm conscious that you're still currently in that. Are you at a point where you do have advice for people who might be going through the same thing? Or is it just that at the moment it's so current for you that it's hard to have that perspective? Well, the first part of call for us was dealing with the behaviours in school. We were trying to do things as best we can at home, but... I said to Jay, look, we're going to need more help with this. We can't do this by ourselves. So we made a a phone call um, about three weeks ago now to social services and said we need more help. Unfortunately, there's a waiting list. So they said someone will get back to us in about two months time, um, which we were a little bit gritting our teeth at. Um, But then... The thing with the school, they were really, really helpful and we've put things in place and he seems to, you know, he's only been back in school two days and he said he really enjoyed going to school, which is good. And yeah, just just putting things in place really that that anything that can help make his life easier or more manageable is is the thing that we're trying to do at the moment obviously the the school is going to do some therapy with him as well mm-hmm. and they do it for parents too so the parents will go in while the children is in the class and they'll do discussion groups and stuff oh, okay which i think is going to be beneficial because you have lots of training before you adopt but it's quite rigid training that they follow a routine and every child's different. Yeah. And I think it's going to be good to discuss our experiences with other parents that are also struggling and, yeah. and just get tips from them as well. Yeah. And also when you're doing the adoption training, you're thinking about a theoretical child. You don't actually know them. So you're trying to take all of the information in for every possible eventuality. But once you've got your child, you do know these are our flashpoints. These are our difficulties. So you can really sort of seek support in a much more um, specific way, specific to what actually goes on for you as a family. Yeah, and I think that once we've get got the help from social services, we can start planning things and put things into place and we can, you know, realise what other help we can get for him, which is going to help immensely. Yeah, absolutely, because it sounds like at the moment, really you're just in this holding pattern waiting for services to kick in, but they haven't yet. Yeah, and, you know, 
we're finding it difficult dealing with his behaviours by ourselves and we wouldn't change him for the world. We just wish that he could handle his emotions better, but we know it's going to be a long road until we get there. Well, thank you so much for coming back and talking to me about this. And it would be lovely if you felt able to, to come back again and tell us how your journey's progressed. So we might um, give you a call again in another 12 months, if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're a star. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank my guest today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.